Now in the movies, it seems the chuck wagon cook is always being harassed for the poor cooking. But today we talk with a cowboy that's made a name for himself as one of the best camp cooks. I think cooking Mother Nature's kitchen and having to deal with the elements all the time, uh, it sort of gives you an advantage really in cooking because... If you can cook in that, you can sure cook in the house. Cowboy cook and chef Kent Rollins out of Hollis, Oklahoma, is my guest today as we talk about the influence his parents had on his life. She could take a little and make a lot out of it. Plus his experience on television cooking shows like Chop, Food Fighters, and Throwdown with Bobby Flay. It's going to be a great time we're going to have. I said, welcome, Bobby, to the land of hot and heavy. With the help of his wife, Shannon, Kent's become a YouTube sensation with videos that stirs up our memories of food growing up, and he's a great spokesman for our beef industry to boot. Cowboy cook Kent Rollins on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. We welcome you here again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. I got in front of me a big, tall, steaming, smooth cup of cowboy coffee. And if you want to know why I'm saying it like that is because our guest today is none other than the infamous Kent Rollins out of Hollis, Oklahoma, as he is joining us on our program today. Now, for those of you that watch national cooking shows, you probably saw him several years on some of those shows, but here more recently, he and his wife, Shannon, have really taken advantage of and used the YouTube medium out there to put videos out and of course those can be shared on social media or on YouTube as well and that is in fact where I saw Kent for the first time with some of those and one of those videos I was watching was how to make cowboy coffee yeah and we're going to talk about that today with him uh, in amongst of many other things that we're going to talk with kent about and i appreciate him joining us on our program here today so be sure to join us for cowboy cook and chef kent rollins our guest on the working ranch radio show also as we always do in each and every show meteorologist don day will be joining us with a look at our long-term weather now, last week he joined us for the entire show as we get a, a full, long, really, really long-term weather outlook. I encourage you to go back and listen to that show if you missed it on our podcast site. Now, something else I wanted to mention as we head into this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, here's something I, I'm going to ask you. How many of you use a bale bed to feed cattle with? Well, I do. We do. In fact, we have a couple pickups with bale beds, and our main feed pickup that we use has a hydro bed on it. Yeah, the original bale bed out there, and I know when we talk about about bale beds that's probably what a lot of folks think of well did you know that they have recently produced their 20th thousand yeah i don't know if i'm saying that right but yeah 20,000 hydro beds this and they're going to take that 20th thousand one commemorative hydro bed and they're going to be selling it on big iron but get this all of the proceeds are going to be raising money for awareness for kids with type 1 diabetes they're working with team snack and team snack has been doing that the money going to them and their type 1 diabetes efforts there so if you would like to be a part of hydrobed history go to big iron they're going to put that hydrobed out there on the week of thanksgiving and then that sale will finish on december 21st so take a look at it if you want more information on it don't be afraid to go to hydrobed's website as well well real quick i would like to thank the sponsors of the working ranch radio show zinpro perfusion drench optimized performance from the start with zinpro perfusion drench 
Ranch and the American Cemental Association, and they have made some fundamental changes to the organization and brought to the table many things that help ranchers move their operations forward. Pedigree knowledge with actual performance records and now some very advanced genomics, providing more predictability to you, the producer, so that you can make management decisions that put money right back into your pocket. Sim Genetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. And Zoetis, it's the little things that could derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit GetLessParasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. And Biozyme, it is weaning time, so for protection and recovery, think VitaCharge by Biozyme. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita-Charge. Well, right now, let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Now, this presser comes from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. They're such good folks over there, aren't they, Justin? All right. So, uh, Secretary of Ag Tom Vilsack announced today the first round recipients of the Meat and Poultry Processing Expansion Program. And the acronym for that is MPPEP, if you're into acronyms, of the grants and loans. Phase one of MPPEP consists of $73 million in 21 grant projects intended to increase competition across the cattle marketplace and support increased producer opportunities. Additionally, these grants will work towards strengthening the food chain supply, creating jobs in largely rural areas, that's us, and lowering costs for consumers. U.S. Cattlemen's Association President Brooke Miller issued the following statement, and I quote, USCA is pleased to see the breadth and scope of projects supported through MPPEP funding. The importance of this federal investment in our nation's independent meat processors is evident when looking at the individual projects. For example, and this is still his quote, Upper Iowa Beef received a grant that will expand their processing capacity by over 50% while creating new jobs for the community and premium revenue opportunities for independent producers. In North Dakota, South 40 beef will receive just under 500 grand to increase cooler and fab space, which will help them double their processing capacity and workforce. And lot 279 in Nebraska will use this grant to transition its current operation into a further processing facility to help local producers add value to their beef products. And to finish off, Mr. Miller's quote, These federal dollars were awarded to individuals and independent processors that can help usher in a new era of U.S. food production. U.S. Cattlemen's Association is encouraged by the announcement made today and looks forward to working with Secretary Vilsack and his staff as they prepare for subsequent rounds of funding. Justin, that's kind of the way I was hoping this was all going to go. But we ain't done yet. So we'll see how this all works itself out. Back to you. I know you've got a great show. 
All right. Thanks, Captain. And yeah, I think we have a great show on tap here for today. Now, as we head into the break, I want you to be thinking about this. How many of you have cattle out there on feed? Uh, maybe it's uh, some some poor hay. If you're in a drought area and you had to buy some poor quality hay, or maybe you're on corn stalks or range or pasture out there, but you know that that forage is, isn't going to fit all the nutritional requirements that those cattle need. And so you're going to need some sort of a supplement. Well, let me get you thinking about this. New generation supplements. Yeah, they've been in the business for over 25 years now with with 2,000 dealerships across U.S. and Canada. Now, don't say that number so that you think they're such a big outfit that they have just only a one-size-fits-all product for you. That's not the case. In fact, they know that raising cattle in West Texas, it just is not the same as raising cattle in South Dakota or over in Missouri, which is why they have over 70 unique formulas between their three livestock brands. Have you heard of Smartlick? How about Feed in a Drum or Megalick? Yeah, those are new generation supplement products that are out there. And like I said, they have over 70 unique formulas between those three brands out there. They're not a fad-based company. They sell what's proven to improve cattle performance and help animals reach their genetic potential. And like they say, nutritionally happy cows starts with nutritionally happy rumen microbes. Check it out. New generation supplements, research-driven, field-proven supplement solution. Check them out online at newgensupplements.com. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, Kent Rollins, the cowboy cook and chef, joins us when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We thank you for joining us here on our program as we head now into our featured interview. And I'm pleased to have with me a guest that uh, I know if you're in the ranching industry and you uh, kind of attentive to your phone or YouTube, you probably caught this gentleman on your on a YouTube channel. Kent Rollins out of Hollis, Oklahoma is joining us here today. And Kent, I sure appreciate you taking the time to join us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Oh, Justin, it is my pleasure, my friend. It's keeping me from washing dishes or building a fire, one of two. So it is good to have a break. You bet. You bet. Well, Kent, you know, you've been around for a while, so it's not like you're just new to the world, uh, To the world, but the, with our technology today of having our phones and, and or tablets or computer and the YouTube channel, you've really taken a lot of advantage of that in a very positive way. So I guess the first thing I, as, as we kind of learn more about you, let, let's go back and in your history and your background and just kind of how you got started to where you're ending up here today? Well, I was very fortunate I was to be uh, raised by two individuals, my mom and dad, that uh, insisted that you work hard every day, but also you took pride in what you did. Uh, My dad told me a long, long time ago, he said, get a job, find something you like. He said, do it better than everybody else. You'll never have a job. And uh, I've been on vacation for 35 years now uh, is what it seems like. 
but my mother really is the one that uh, she taught me how to cook um, in a way that, you know, all the, all the ranchers and farmers did back then was put food on the table and feed the family with a little bit of nothing at times, but um, she could take a little and make a lot out of it and taught me how to mix ingredients uh, that you might not think would fit that it go. And if people have watched our YouTube, they know that when I measure stuff, I say it's about that amount or it's about this much. And I would get in the kitchen with a bunch of old women after church on Sunday, and I never seen them use a recipe. You know, they just put a little bit of this in there and a little bit of that, and it was always the best thing you ever eat. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get to work with my dad and some of the some really good cowboys in our country, and those old fellers uh, become heroes. They stood like tall oak trees to me, and they could rope anything that had horns, hoof, or ears. And um, they'd teach you it was a whole lot more than just knowing something about a cow and a horse. It was about a way of life mm -hmm. and how you valued that life, and you was a steward of the land, and you took care of it. And um, it really resonated over the years is you, you put into life what you want to get out of it. And if you put your heart into it, uh, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting when you were talking about your mom having a big influence on you in that element. Your dad had a big influence on you in another side of, of your life as well. But as I as I watched your you have watched your YouTube channel and your videos that you put out there, I find that I feel what the appeal is in some ways for some of us is there are a lot of great memories that a lot of us have, especially for those of us that grew up on ranches and being around that. There really did revolve around the food and the, and the, and the dinner table. And I think some of the things that you do there, as you said, a dash of this and a pinch of that or something like that, it, I laughed a little bit because, um, you know, my mom was a great cook. She, uh, there was eight kids in my family. And so before she passed away, we got her to make a cookbook and her title of it was make it to taste. And I, and I just, I, I find, you know, your way of doing things is a lot like that. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's just, you, you have that ability to do that and brings back so many memories for a lot of us. Well, you know, and a lot of that goes back to cooking on ranches too. Uh, when you're 70 miles from the nearest grocery store and you're going to put in six weeks, uh, you know, 280,000 acres or something like that, you, you learn to improvise. If, if you ain't got something, you know what else takes its place or you know what fits because it ain't like you're going to go to the grocery store and pick it up right quick. And um, it's you learn what works. And Cowboy is some of the greatest experiments I ever had in my life. They uh, you could always tell if something was good. They'd clean the plate and want some more. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was sort of a gauge for me. A lot of brand new recipes come out on ranches that I'd never tried on anybody else. And I'd think where are they going to go? We're 70 miles from town. They either going to eat it or they ain't, you know? So, uh, and I was always very fortunate to cook for crews that were, uh, really some of the best people in the world and very polite. And, uh, but I don't ever remember any of them ever telling me in the 30 something years that I've cooked on ranches that I didn't want no more of that. I wouldn't <laughs> eat that again, you know? So that was always a plus, but, um, I think cooking in mother nature's kitchen and having to deal with the elements all the time, uh, it sort of gives you an advantage really in cooking because if you can cook in that, you can sure cook in the house. And, and I think about my mother so many days when I was cooking like that to, to think that they could take something and make it into something that would feed 12 or 15 people pretty easy. Uh, so there was a lot of influence on ranches that come from my childhood and, and watching my mother and a bunch of old women cook. Mm-hmm. 
So as as you evolved in in your different life experiences to where you're at today, when you first started and doing your and and putting a YouTube channel out there, or I guess what kind of propelled that? I mean, what what got you into that element of it? Other than that's a great medium for in our in our society today. Well, about ten years ago, me and Shen. You know, she she told me, Shen brought me to the modern age. I can remember her asking me, <laughs> she said, do, do you have an email address? I said, yep, Route 1, Box 318. <laughs> she said, no, that's not hardly it. But uh, she taught me that if we could do a YouTube video, we could reach people anywhere. You know, there's it's it goes, it, it ain't like it's just limited to, you got five channels if you move the antenna on the TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to reach people overseas, anywhere in the world. And we thought it was, oh, it's a pretty good outlet. We'll see what happens. And we probably made maybe four videos the first year just to see what was happening. And it wasn't until really about four years after that that we realized, I mean, we'd been on the road so much and done so many festivals and stuff that we always knew people liked what we did. Let's just make it sort of like ranch cooking more and just get it out there. Mm-hmm. And uh she didn't know. I mean, she never was an editor until she started. Uh, she's a great editor. She's a great photographer. And she just learned it by, I'm going to sit down and do this. Uh, now, you know, we try to film three to four videos a week. I work on a recipe five, six days a week. Um, she'll sit at the computer nine hours sometimes to edit. And I'll come in, Justin, and I'll hear her say, I'm really tired of looking at you. And I, I didn't want to pick that at first, you yeah. know, but uh, we have the greatest fans in the world. Uh, they they love God. They love country. They love food. And our channel's more than just food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to teach people about some life. Uh, we want to make people laugh. We might make them cry a time or two. We want people to know that they're important mm-hmm. and that this is not rocket science cooking. Anybody can do it. And what better place to do it than in the backyard or out there in the middle of nowhere and bring family and friends together? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, that as you were talking about there, one of your roles and and maybe it wasn't what you thought it was going to be exactly when you first started. Maybe it was a bit, but you're you're really a, a bridge, I feel, between, you know, where we're at today and some of our ranching heritage that revolved around the old chuck wagons. And, and that is something that, you know, you and I know you're a storyteller beyond that and, and you have a way of, of communicating that. And that's a big role that you're you're really doing for on behalf of our ranching industry? Well, it's, uh, I had a lady tell me one time in an interview, she said, um, you know, I guess y'all raise beef. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, we have put a lot of, a lot of beef in the market and a little bit of beef on the table. She said, oh, you don't eat beef? And I said, oh, yes, ma'am, we eat beef. My dad, my dad always told me it would be rare. Not the way it was cooked, just the occasion in which you would have it. <laughs> I said, because a lot of that stuff was having to go to sale to pay for something else. But I said, you, you always raised your own beef mm-hmm. uh, back then. And, and it was, you know, uh, a lot different than beef you really see today uh, and at times. But there's so many ranching and farming communities out there that still do. They, they keep that one or two head back, you know, all the time. This is going to, we're going to put this in the freezer and... Them little mom and pop operations like that are really the ones that I admire so much because they put their heart and soul into it. And um, it's it's all about taking care of the land, 
putting the best cattle you can out there on it and then enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I never was afraid of beef on a plate. Sometimes I was afraid of it on the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in your description of how you were raised and the, and the fact that your dad said, well, we'd have beef, but it'd be rare because of the occasion or, you know, it wouldn't happen every day necessarily. I, I think if you were to go back, say 50, maybe less than that, 30, 40, 50 years back, you really did see a lot of the family farms that, um, yeah, we raised beef. I was much the same way, but uh, we raised a lot of other things. And uh, so when, and so I find in your, in your, in your YouTube channel, yeah, you, you promote beef a lot, but you cook with other meats as well, because that was how it was. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember my dad told me one time, I remember getting a red rider BB gun when I was about nine years old. And he told me, he said, you going hunting? I said, yep, I'm finna go hunt. He said, whatever you kill, you eat. <laughs> and I said, do what? He said, remember what you kill is what you eat. Well, I got really lucky that day and shot a crow. Now, oh. I really didn't think I was going to have to eat that crow. But when I got to the house, he told me, he said, well, I want to see you clean this. And I'd like to I'd like to watch you cook it. So I went out there and got my usual grill set up, which was two gyp rocks and a refrigerator rack laid it across there. <laughs> I plucked that crow just like you would an old fat hen on Sunday laid it out there on that grill and cooked it. And you've always heard the term in life, you had to eat crow. Yeah. Well, really eating crow is not good, I promise. <laughs> that was some of the driest, toughest meat I've ever seen in my life. And it's the only crow I ever shot in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good story there. Kent Rollins out of Hollis, Oklahoma, is joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show today. If you're active on social media or YouTube, you've probably and more than likely have come across him on those sites. But if not, you might have seen him on some national TV cooking shows. Well, stay with us when we come back. We're going to talk about that when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is cowboy chef and cook by the name of Kent Rollins. And I know for a lot of folks on social media, if you're just flipping through your Facebook or Instagram videos and or or you're out on YouTube, you probably come across Kent's channel. And I encourage you to go out there and take a look at that. Very, very entertaining and very educational to boot. But uh, Kent, I want to get into now a, a little bit about uh, you got some national exposure when you were on some of those some of the national cooking shows and i don't know what all which all ones they were i know i'd seen a couple videos or so but um i guess two two parts of that number one is it was it was it was fun to see somebody that represented our our you know lifestyle on those shows instead of just kind of some stuffy chef on there so i appreciated that a part but tell us about kind of how that went and how you were perceived by that deal well i the first one we ever did i guess as a competition wise was they had a show called Throw Down with Bobby Flay. And um, you sure don't know what's happening. They research a meal that they think that you cook pretty good and they're going to try to cook it better. And uh, they come from New York City. Me and Shannon was on a ranch north of Wichita Falls, Texas at the time. It was in late August, first part of September. 
it's probably 103 degrees, humidity about 65% down there. And when he showed up and uh, he told me, he said, I hear you cook the best chicken fried steak in the world. And I said, I don't know about that, but I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> and um, he said, I'd like to challenge you to a cook-off today to see who cooks the best. And I just looked at him and I said, in my kitchen today. And he said, yeah. I said, thank you, Lord, so much. I said, it's going to be a great time we're going to have. I said, welcome, Bobby, to the land of hot and heavy. <laughs> he dug out some cast iron there that said made in Taiwan. And I told him, I said, you better not throw that on that old wood stove of mine. I said, she'll melt it. I said, that stuff won't never hold up. So I give him one of them old 20-inch skillets I got. And I told Shan, I said, we're going to put as much wood in that stove as it's going to hold. And we're going to find out how tough he is. Well... When, it, when them flames got to licking him under the chin, Bobby allowed that a man be a fool to have a job like I did. And I told him, it's job security. Nobody going to take it from me. And um, we ended up beating him. Uh, that sort of opened the door for a few more things for the Food Network. Mm -hmm. The one that was the most, did the most for us probably was uh, a show called Chop Grill Masters. Yeah. It was filmed in Tucson. Uh, they took 15 chefs across the United States and one cowboy cook. They really just wanted a cowboy uh, because they were filming. Really, the the set was where this old Western show, High Chaparral, used to be filmed. Yep. So I thought, you know, if we could talk about the old West and have a cowboy out here, it'd sort of make this look a little better. And um, I'd never seen the show. Shan pulled an episode up for me on the computer, and I, you know, they, you don't know what's in the basket of food that they have, um, and most of it's stuff that I'd never seen. And um, was a, a very interesting three or four days um i finally realized that uh you're just cooking with fire and just cook the same way you always cook even if you don't know what it is um we win the first round made it to the finals i can remember the morning that we got on the bus to do the finals there was three other chefs and one was sitting back there in the back when i got on that morning justin and he said uh you the cowboy guy that we got on here and I said, I reckon unless you got more than one. And he said, nope. He said, I figure you're it. He said, I just want to tell you, competition is real today. Don't be surprised when you're the first one to go home. Hmm. My dad had always told me, you never brag about what you can do, especially horseback. You just show it. Mm -hmm. So I looked at him and I said, you know, sir, I don't know you. But I said, it's pretty evident to me that you're a legend in your own mind. And uh, he didn't think it was funny, but he was the first one chopped and went home that day. Huh. Uh, ended up making, winning second. Um, we ended up probably because of that show getting our first deal with uh, with a, a publishing agent uh, and our first cookbook, A Taste of Cowboy, that come out in 2015, become a bestseller. And the people that I met there, the the crew. The people that hosted the show, we're still friends today. Uh, and that means a lot to me because those people uh, did a great job. It was their largest outdoor production at the time that they'd ever did. And um, it was very, very made, made me really nervous. I mean, I rode bulls for a living for a long time and they didn't bother me near like uh, <laughs> trying to cook them groceries. They throw that at me. But uh, it did a lot for us. Uh, you know, I can remember a camera telling me one time he said you're one of the few few people i know that doesn't change when we put a camera on your face and i said sir i ain't changed socks in a week i said i probably ain't gonna change none on camera neither and i said you just be who you are every day don't be something you're not 
And I said, you'll go a lot further in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, you going on those shows, as I said before, it was it was a, fo- a way to uh, be an educational component and that spokesperson for our ranching heritage. And, and I, I, you kind of answered my question already, uh, uh, telling the story about the guy on the bus, kind of just assuming that you were going to be the first one chopped in that. And I'm, and I'm guessing that really w- when they invited you on that, that was kind of a, just, you know, to appease and, and you really surprised a lot of folks. Yeah, I remember the, I mean, we, you have to do a segment there at the first where you cook up one of your favorite dishes and the lady that filmed it, we're still great friends today. And uh, she told me, she said, Kent, I'm counting on you to win this. And I said, well, thank you, ma'am. I said, I'm just going to do what Shan told me and try to get through the first round and not embarrass the family name. <laughs> and um, So it was, was really good. And really after the first round, because you, you shoot a segment and then it's, bunch of interviews then you go back and you do another one and uh but i can remember coming off that first time after that first appetizer round and a lot of that crew was saying our money's on you cowboy and um but i become dear friends with so many of them by the end of that first day uh they knew that i'd give it my all and it wasn't just some somebody that was portraying cowboy and a cook it was somebody that had lived both sides of it it meant a lot to represent the heritage that we have. Uh, I can remember they asked me a question the, the day of the finals. They said, what do you think? And I said, well, it's a long way from here to the Paladera Canyon in the middle of December, sleeping in a teepee when it's minus three to cook in here. But I said, it was those days that made me what I am now. And I said, so I figure if I can cook in that weather, I can come out here and cook with y'all any day of the week. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about your experience on some of these cooking shows, as you went through and, and the different doors have opened up for you, what's what's the probably the greatest opportunity that you feel you've had throughout all of this? Ooh, I can remember uh, doing a show for, for NBC. It was called Food Fighters. And um, most of the time, if Shan and she went with me to all of them, I guess, but they wouldn't let her on the set. Uh, for so many of them, but Food Fighters was different. She was there, and there's a home chef that has five recipes, and um, she can choose any of them five to challenge you to cook. Well, this I was the second contestant the first day that was supposed to be what they called a professional chef, and I kept telling them, I said, please don't use that word on me. I'm just a cook. <laughs> and, um, so they sent me out there, and this this little old gal was so sweet. Um, been, and they get to practice three days ahead of time out there in that kitchen on the set. And she said, well, I know he beat Bobby Flay with a chicken fried steak. I know he's got a YouTube channel, and he does a lot of cooking, and he cooks a lot of comfort food. So I really don't think I'm going to do chicken and dumplings. I don't think I'm going to do a casserole. I think I'm going to do a chocolate raspberry souffle. Well, Shan said she was watching in the monitor, and she said, I've seen all the color uh, sort of leave your face. And she said, the producer looked at me and said, Shan, does he know what a souffle is? And she said, he can't spell it. He ain't never cooked it. And uh, there was a speaker under that counter there in that part of the kitchen that I was in. Uh, Jake come on the phone, that producer, and he said, Kent, the definition that Google has of a souffle is an eggy-like cake. And I didn't say nothing. And you have one minute. And he said, did that help you any? And I said, no, sir, not much. 
So I, I commenced thinking that I'm going to make it sort of like bread pudding, but I'm going to use probably twice the eggs that it would have, <clears throat> and I'm going to separate the eggs, and I'm going to I'm going to fluff them whites up really light so that souffle can be light. Uh, and I baked it with some some really uh, good French bread, uh, and then I made a, a chocolate raspberry whiskey sauce. Now, if this lady won that round, she was going to win $25,000 and get a chance to compete against three other chefs, win or lose. Um, so there's a blind judging, and I can remember standing up there, and I could see Shan's face back there behind, and she was just smiling looking at me, and I knew no matter what, any competition that I was ever in in my life um, knew that I had the support of her win, lose, or draw. Well, when they come back and they was telling about the judges and they was showing the two plates of food and hers was really pretty. It was. And the host looked and he said, and the winner is the cowboy chef. Hmm. Everybody in the crowd booed me. You know, because this lady was also trying to raise enough money to get some medical equipment for her daughter. And I remember her looking at me and she said, I don't know how you beat me with that recipe. I said, I don't either, ma'am. I said, I, I just feel like I, I just maybe I've done a better job. Maybe I was lucky. I don't know. But when I come off there, Shannon just sort of jumped up there and gave me a big old hug and a kiss. And she said, I never doubted you a minute because she said, it's always like cooking on them ranches. No matter what you have to work with, no matter if it's snowing, it's raining, the wind blowing hundred miles an hour, you always get it on the table. And she said, I know you didn't know what it was, but she said, I knew you could do it. And uh, I've never made a chocolate raspberry souffle ever again. Justin okay. probably won't. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's one of them deals. Uh, you know, I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm very fortunate to get to work with my best friend. And that is Shan, the love of my life. We're together 365 days a year. And she's my greatest inspiration. She keeps me going. Um, and it's, we get tired of trying to come up with something new to film every week. Mm -hmm. But then we get a letter or something from some serviceman or, or woman that's still active duty that may be somewhere overseas that say, thank you for these videos and make us feel like we're home. So we're not gonna quit cooking. Uh, lady asked me just this week, she said, how long do you think you're going to keep this up? I said, Th uh, 30 minutes till the funeral, ma'am, I'll be through. And I said, that long? I said, I'll pay her my own funeral and we'll call it a done deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kent Rollins is my guest today, Cowboy Chef, as he said there. And uh, we've got one more segment with Kent when we come back. Stay with us. We're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Every little thing is important to cattle producers, from daily chores to parasite control, just like protection is important to us. Based on approved labels, Valbison Suspension covers 25% more parasites and life stages than Safeguard. Visit GetLessParasites.com for more solutions from Zoetis. Consult your veterinarian for assistance in the diagnosis, treatment, and control of parasitism. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Cowboy Chef Kent Rollins out of Hollis, Oklahoma, uh, as we have been talking about how he got started and some of the experiences that he has had up and along the way. And uh, Kent, again, I thank you for joining us here today on our program. I, I know um, as we were talking in the previous segment, uh, you know, when you're when you're doing recipes and cooking out there, I mean, you use a a lot of different types of um, proteins that are out there. And of course, as uh, the Working Ranch Radio Show, a lot of us are, are raisers of beef. And so that's kind of what we like to see promoted. And I know that is an element that's uh, that you do as well, is, is you do have uh, some some spokesmanship type work that you do with the beef industry. Yeah, we, uh, we started uh, probably about seven, eight years ago, Justin, I guess we did a a world chef tour, they wanted me to come cater for uh, certified Angus beef. And um, it was uh, on a ranch in Kansas. And we went up there and fed 100 chefs from across the United States and some from South America, Mexico, and some from uh, over in England. And uh, I always sort of get a kick out of them deals, but it's in a way it's a little bit intimidating. The first one was that I was cooking for people that were culinarily trained, you know, um and when you're cooking a 28 ounce bone-in ribeye you know it's it's a pretty big piece of steak and we fixed hominy and green chili and casserole baked beans uh sourdough biscuits and then bread pudding with a whiskey cream sauce and i can remember one of them chefs come out there with a translator and he wanted to know how long i cooked them steaks and i said until they're done (laughs) and he's he said no how how long do you cook them on each side and I said, it's just just by touch, you know, is, is the way I look at a steak, how it feels. Mm-hmm. And he pulled a temperature probe out of his pocket, and he was wanting to probe that steak. And I looked at him, and I said, you tell him now, if he does that, I'm going to hit him with his spatula. <laughs> I said, it's like poking a hole in a tire. I said, you're going to let something out that ain't ready to get there. And uh, I just laughing at him. Well, he took it serious and walked off. <laughs> and I didn't want to offend the guy by any way, you know, and uh I remember telling him one of the guys that sort of hired me, and I said, I didn't mean that bad. He said, oh, don't worry about it. Well, that guy come back. He owned five restaurants in South America, and he come back up there to me, and with his translator, he told me, he said, that was the best steak I ever eaten in my life. And I said, there's a lot of good beef in the United States. There is. And I said, I've cooked some of every kind in the world. And I said, from, from buffalo to longhorn, and I said, from elk to prime. And I said, I've thrown all of it on the fire at least once. And I said, the reason I really stuck with certified Angus beef was because of their guidelines that they had to where everything had to meet certain specs. And those folks have done a great job of advertising and promoting beef. And um, I, I love to cook beef. Um, you know, they always used to have that commercial beef. It's what's for dinner. Mm-hmm. Beef is for breakfast, dinner, appetizer, snacks, ice cream, anything you can put with it. You mm-hmm. know, that is when you have beef. Mm-hmm. That makes me think about uh, several years ago. I was up in Montana on a on a uh, cattle tour up there, and of course, when you're on a a, a breed tour, then everything is is beef that you're going to eat. And I remember for breakfast that one morning that they had uh, a what they called beef bacon and so and i'm assuming i my i've always wondered was that brisket you think or what did they do what i mean what if you're going to serve beef uh besides a steak and eggs in the morning what would that breakfast beef plate be you know we we've made some uh some beef bacon out of brisket but i've also made it out of out of tri-tip okay uh, 
I've sliced it off the end cap, off the top cap of the sirloin. You know, you want it to have some fat content. Really, uh, to me, brisket is some of the best, but uh, I really like it a tri-tip too because you can slice it good and thin against the grain before it turns the corner. And uh, it's got a great taste to it. Um, we used to cure a bunch of it, just sort of make it like a corned beef, and then you'd slice it thin, fry it back. It's like bacon. And uh, it's pretty good eating. Mm-hmm. I noticed here lately in some of the videos that you've put out uh, that you've stopped by a, a, a local or a close by fast food restaurant and you've gotten whatever, whether it's Arby's or McDonald's or various things and gotten their signature sandwich and you and you take it back and you prep something or you make something that's similar to that. That's been something that's pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, we uh, people kept after us for a long time on YouTube, you know, and uh, we Right now, we have like 2.25 million subscribers. Um, but a lot of the videos that really went viral, uh, some of them were of the remakes. And probably one was, you know, the Big Mac. And uh, you make something the way you want it to be. They're, and I'm, I'm not in any way uh, criticizing any of the fast food places mm-hmm. because they serve food to so many people and they keep people fed. And that's what it's about. But the patties there are what they call one eight, which is one eighth of a pound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were using half a pound of beef for each patty, which makes it a full pound. Uh, time you get it all put together, it's big enough. You really need a step ladder to eat it. <laughs> but, um, it uh, I think it's got over 5 million views now. I hadn't looked in the last three or four weeks, but um it's something that people do make. It'll feed a family of four. You know, you can slice it <clears throat> and make it that way. But I do love a remake. You know, we did Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. We did Wendy's. Uh, we just got through doing Arby's. Yep. Um, but it it just, I always tell them, I'm not criticizing their food. I'm just fixing the cowboy up and see if I can make it better. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you made a point of uh, maybe it was even in the Arby's one of pointing out that folks were not criticizing Arby's because they feed a lot of beef to a lot of people. And so I think that was that was a point you put out in that you were talking about some of these videos uh, being very viral or or having a a lot of uh, views on it. What's the most popular video you've done? Oh, probably because the Big Mac and Cowboy Coffee and cast iron they they all do well but i figure the cowboy coffee has probably uh, got the most and i haven't looked in in quite some time but it's probably maybe six seven million um it's it's something that's so simple Mm -hmm. that people you know that have never tasted it uh or made it uh don't really have an ideal they just get this automatic assumption that it's bitter, it's strong, and it's not good, yeah. you know? And when you make cowboy coffee the right way and you, you warm the water and then put in, put in the grounds, uh, you know, let it come to a good rolling bowl, which is five or six minutes, uh, you're reaching a temperature that's above boiling uh, that none, none of the coffee houses or anything does anymore because of the lawsuit long years ago. Yeah, And when you get water that hot and boil it that long, you break down the tannin in the bean, which releases the acid. And now the coffee's going to be smooth. So mm-hmm. uh, we've converted a lot of people over to cowboy coffee because you don't have acid reflux anymore from it. You don't have heartburn. Um, we serve a lot of it. Uh, we have our own blend of coffee now, which we come up with a couple of years ago uh, that really matches the way that cowboy coffee's made. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and not only was that video something I, I watched particularly uh, closely, but also the simple as cooking an egg in the morning. Your your deal on that was good too. Yeah. You know, and sometimes Shannon tells me, she said, sometimes we just need to go back to what yeah. you think is the simplest thing in life. You know, there's there's people out there that haven't cooked it, you know, and it, it's, I don't take it for granted. Uh, I just get to thinking, you know, that, hey, uh, people might need to see this. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kent, uh, just one more thing. What, you know, when we look at what all you're into, I, we've, we've talked a lot about your YouTube uh, and some of the things you've been on. What else you got going on? Well, we're, we're very proud, Justin. Um, we have a, another cookbook coming out, a new one on March 28th of next year. It's called Comfort Food the Cowboy Way. It's, um, it's really a, got a lot of the old classics that you'd find in some of them old diners and truck stops so many years ago, but has a, a very strong traditional Mexican food uh, section in it. That, that cooks with a lot of dried chilies and stuff like that. But just a lot of good comfort food in there. Uh, Shan's pictures are in there because she does all the photography, whether it be food or the stories, too, that I write. But it's um, we look forward to it coming out. Uh, people keep eye on our website. Uh, you know, we're going to have a, a big, uh, big book tour that will start probably start the first week of April. And uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground, East Coast, West Coast, and in the middle, too. And... Uh, Coming out with new products, we launched some new ones this last uh, early summer, uh, which was a taco seasoning, chili seasoning, and a salsa, and a barbecue sauce. And um, they've sold and done well. Uh, so we just appreciate each and every one of you that, uh, that watch our channel. Uh, we hope that you're subscribed. There's a new video comes out every Wednesday at 2.30 Central. All right. Well, uh, Kent, I do want to thank you for joining us here on the show. By the way, folks, his website, KentRollins.com. That is the website, and you can find out more information there as well as probably a, a link into the YouTube site as well. Kent, uh, on behalf of all of us here at Working Ranch Radio Show, thank you. And also a thank you to your wife because you've mentioned her many, many times here today, and I know she's an important part uh, of, of what you're doing. So thank you to you and Shannon both. Uh, thank you, Justin, and I thank all of y'all that are taking time to listen. We appreciate you letting us be on the show. If we can help you out again, just holler, my friend. All right. Kent Rollins has been our guest here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Here is his website again. It is KentRollins.com. Now, Rollins is spelled R-O-L-L-I-N-S. On his website, you can find information on his cookbooks as well as a link into his YouTube channel. I encourage you to go check it out for yourself. I think you'll you'll find it uh, not only entertaining, as I said before, but also extremely educational. And I appreciate what he's doing on behalf of our beef industry and also spokesperson for our ranching heritage and appreciate his wife, Shannon, helping to set up our conversation and our interview here today. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at that long-term weather forecast. We'll be back after this. It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with VitaCharge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you as we're joined again by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And before we get into that, Don, just a quick thank you again for joining us last week for the entire show. Uh, very, very informative. I thought it was very interesting. We talked weather, but there was also some things that we talked about regarding climate change and some various things that I thought were real interesting. And I know folks did out there as well because our, our downloads were sure pretty high on it. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I know we threw a lot at people. Yeah, you bet. Let's talk about what we have coming up for the next. We've, we're now in the month of November, and uh, you'd always talked about our weather uh, just in general, whether it's 30, 40 year cycles, 10 year cycles, or even more near term, kind of a wave pattern. And we are definitely seeing that with kind of cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot. Yeah, as we're making the transition out of that later fall season and, you know, we're staring down winter and uh, we haven't had a lot of winter so far this season, this fall. It's been pretty remarkably nice, really, across most of the lower 48 states. But now we're starting to see winter wanting to rear its ugly head a little bit more. And certainly folks have already experienced that in the Pacific Northwest, parts of the Great Basin, parts of California seen some real significant snows in the mountains and some of the first lower elevation snows as well in those areas I just mentioned. But in the eastern and central parts of the United States, they continue to have that really nice fall weather. But over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to see Mother Nature even things out like she always does. Mm -hmm. And that means some changing weather. You know, one of the things is we look at the drought situation that we have seen across the country down on the south central plains this last year up in the in the northern plains and out into the northwest the two, uh, years ahead of that. One of the things that's going to help to change some of that is to see some pretty significant snowpack in the in the western half of the United States. And this last weekend or the weekend that we're in now and, and looking forward, it looks like we're going to start to build some snowpack up. Yeah, and this is one thing that we did not have last fall. Last fall, the snowpack got off to a really late start in Washington and Oregon and central and northern California and the northern Rockies. And that really hurt. Now, a lot of times you can catch up on snowpack later in the season, but it's always good to get that snowpack, that first layer down and make it robust. And that's certainly what we're seeing right now as the pattern is going to be really favorable for the Pacific Northwest and the Central and Northern Rockies and even part of the Colorado River Basin. So that is good to see. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like that all winter, but it's off to a good start. Mm -hmm. Now, something that I also notice, and and when we talk about snowpack and how it affects, you know, the spring runoff and into the summer and, and kind of building up some of those reserves and the reservoirs and various things would be, we're seeing Canada really getting a lot of snowfall. Now, I know some of that heads east uh, but yet some of that also heads south out of Canada that's going to be pretty significant when we look into next spring as well it can it really can not only does uh, it when we take a look at things like the Red River Valley in the upper Midwest mm-hmm. some of those bigger river systems where the headwaters are coming out of south central Canada there uh, a deeper snowpack does make a big difference also a deeper more widespread snow covering across Saskatchewan and Alberta and into Manitoba, um, when Arctic air masses begin to make their move south from those higher latitudes, if they uncover large scale snow fields, well, it makes those Arctic air masses move a little easier and it makes them more potent as they get into the lower 48 states. So what we're seeing right now and what we'll see here over the following week 
some pretty significant snows in those prairie provinces. That is one way you set the stage for bigger Arctic outbreaks later in the winter further south. So that's something we'll be monitoring as well. Mm-hmm. Well, real quick here, I know it's been pretty good weather for the corn harvest in the corn states. So uh, they have a little bit of nice weather here before things get too abrupt for them. Yeah. In fact, they've the harvest weather's been fabulous and they've got a little bit more as the real cold stormy weather is going to be bottled up in those far western areas of the state for probably, oh, let's say another five to seven days or so. Now, we do expect some of this cold weather that's in the west to start to make a move east, especially during the second half of November. So once we get into the second and third and fourth weeks beyond that time frame, the middle part of the country, the Corn Belt, the Great Lakes, and some parts of the east will start to feel some of this cold move into those areas. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here. Good uh, idea of what we got coming down the pike here for weather. Thanks for having me. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website is dayweather.com. And from there, you can also find a link into his YouTube channel. Well, stay with us. We'll put a wrap on this week's show when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Coming up on next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show, you're not going to want to miss this one. Mr. Jess Peterson with U.S. Cattlemen's Association is back and joins us again. This time, we're going to be talking post-election news, and that is how the results of the election will affect some of the agriculture policy that they have been working on and just some of the lowdown that we'd like to hear about what is all going on in Washington, D.C. Be sure to join us next week as Jess Peterson joins us here on our program. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. The next issue is in the works, going to be headed out the door pretty soon. If you do not have your subscription started, you can go to workingranchmag.com and start your subscription today. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me about something you heard on the show, a question you might have, or a topic you'd like us to cover, shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be right here at the same time, same place, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.